Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Now. Titans is a showcase of ServiceNow personalities that have punched above their weight and elevated the ServiceNow community. Titans of Now is brought to you by me, Robert the Duke Fedoric. If you want to see what I'm up to, check out my website, theduke.digital. Here you'll find all my CJ and the Duke episodes, links to my YouTube content, and my upcoming course, Hired, the definitive guide to profiles that win ServiceNow jobs. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Titans of Service Now. In this episode, we are bringing to you a special guest. This person is the founder of a company called Genus that you should check out. Um, she is a ServiceNow expert par excellence, and she is the reason I believe ServiceNow has been able to go so far so fast with their ITBM product offering, which is now called the SPM product offering. I believe this person has put the industry up on her back and carried it for a touchdown. Uh, it is my pleasure to introduce you to a mentor of mine and somebody who's had my back when it was against the wall, Miss Etta Wilson. Etta, thanks for being on the show and uh, it's so good to have you here. Thank you and, and thank you for the, the compliments. Okay, um, we mostly start these with an origin story, so why don't you tell us how you got your start in the ServiceNow world? So my journey on ServiceNow started when my boss um, came in after a meeting. He says, I have some good news and some bad news. Bad news is we are not going to renew our PlanView contract, which I internally paused because I had been on PlanView for eight years. He's like, well, and the good news is we would like you to move us to ServiceNow. And I thought, the help desk? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so uh, we started doing some mapping on the functionalities that we were using within PlanView and started mapping into ServiceNow, and there were some gaps. So we got together a meeting with ServiceNow to decide, you know, how we were going to deploy, knowing that we needed to be able to do project management with CapEx, OpEx, and resource planning, and basically all of the things that we had, you know, in the PlanView world. And so, um, and we had to be live in 11 weeks. So we were in Berlin at the time. Um, we went live on Calgary. Um, we did have to custom code a lot of it, but 11 weeks we were live. And I decided that, well, you guys are missing the functionality of a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of background in this. How about we become design partners and I can basically give you, you know, my two cents in life. So were they, did they have the full CapEx, OpEx, and resource management in the version that you uh, came up on? No. Or did you help them build that? No, that, it was not there. Wow. It was not there. So wow. on the pieces that were missing, like, so we became design partners and helped on input on that. Mm -hmm. And so it worked out really well. And then the other thing, too, is, you know, we still needed help. And the thought process was, well, yes, you can go find a partner, but we were going to have to train someone. So why not train ServiceNow? So they had, they still had remote services. So we partnered up with the ServiceNow remote services team, and we had hours from them to help us build out some other pieces as well. And so from there, that's where it started. I started speaking at Knowledge and Snugs and here and there and references, and I drank the Kool-Aid. At what point did you sw switch from being a customer to rolling up the uh, ITBM consulting under Genus? Uh, that was, what happened was there was an acquisition and the new company only wanted to use a piece of ServiceNow and I had already gone down the path that 
we can now do resource capacity planning. So October 31st, 2015 was my last day at CareFusion. And so Gina started November 1st, 2015. And by the end of the month, we had our first customer. That might've been right around uh, when I started asking questions about ITBM because <laughs> I read the doc site. I went through all the videos that they had on YouTube and I was still like, I don't get this. Cause I don't know if you feel the same, but um, it was one of the larger modules where they said, hey, let's do this too. But it was a distinctly unique world in terms of like, you couldn't just come from ITSM, learn ServiceNow in the context of ITSM, and then just go have a successful ITBM implementation, right? Correct, correct. Because if you think about it at the time, and it actually went, it was PPM, then it was PPS, Project Portfolio Suite, mm -hmm. then it was Service Strategy, then it was IT Business Management, and now we're on SPM, you know, Strategic Portfolio Management. And it really is a collection of use cases across this whole time. And so I tell people, you have to go to find your business process, then go find your Lego blocks. If you kind of follow the documentation, because the documentation has everything in it, you will find that your implementation may not have a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Um, and where do you find that people have the most difficulty, like when they buy ITBM, like what's that gap between I bought it versus a successful uh, deployment of it? I guess a better way to ask that question is what's the hardest thing about deploying ITBM? Not starting from the business. And the reason why I say that is we go in, we turn it on and we sit down with the customer, we do the demos and then we sit down in the workshops and it's like, well, what do you want? And it's like, and they say, well, what do you have? They hired us as the guidance and the experts in the space what you're doing is you're getting requirements from them and then you go build it on the platform and then you're upset with why you didn't really define the business process. And so if you don't understand how project portfolio strategies work from a business perspective, it's pretty hard to get ITBM or SPM stood up correctly. Because, but at the end of the day, you have planned work, you know, you have defined work, unplanned work and planned work. SPM falls under plan work. Okay, so I'm going to intake plan work. I'm going to align it to my strategies and goals. I want the business to decide, do you really want to do this? And how soon do you need it? And, you know, do you have any funding for it? And if you do, then send it over to the next group. It may be IT, it may be marketing, maybe wherever, whoever's going to build it. Then you do all the assessment. What I see is people ignore ideation on the platform. It's like the little guy in there, nobody uses it. Mm -hmm. Ideation is the sweet spot because if you shift left to the business and allow them to build up ideation and do true strategic you know, portfolio management there. So one of the first things I always ask for, can I have your strategic plan? I need your org chart. And then we start there. So new ideas come in, you align them. And then when the business says, okay, we would really like to do this, you accept it, then it goes over to demand. Most people dump all the noise, the good projects, the bad projects, everything into demand. And then you're trying to do, you know, road mapping and everything with like thousands of planned work mm. and it doesn't work. 
So uh, I will be guilty as charged <laughs> in terms of one of those people who kind of like, um, I don't want to say skips over ideation, but I have a really hard time trying to get it to fit in. And maybe I can quiz you on how you would consult me if I was your customer. Would that be a fair thing to do right now? It, it, it would be. And okay. go ahead, because what you're going to find out, it's easier than you think because you're talking to the business. Right. So we ask to talk to the business customers. So you're not talking to the IT side. Right, but in terms of like, let's say I'm the solution architect for the customer, right? I'm the person who's in charge of making ServiceNow go in its, in its totality. So the first objection I usually have is like, the stuff is coming in right now anyway. It's coming in, but it's just coming in as incidents or it's coming in as catalog requests and it's even coming in the wrong way, right? However you want to define that. Somehow I wound up with a problem record that had an idea for a CapEx spend project in it or mm -hmm. a catalog item or an incident, you know, or an HR request. They're coming in anyway through channels who's, who we can't really control the intake of. So how do I get stuff into idea prior to getting it into, into demand reliably? So let's say that it does, and this happens all the time, it comes in as an incident. Mm -hmm. You discover that it's really not an incident at all. There are better mechanisms on the platform now to basically redirect it so that it comes in through ideation. So, you, so is it fair to say you concentrate your focus on mechanisms to like close convert records? Yes, Okay. because all plan work must come through ideation, period. Okay. So you kind of tie up all those holes in between. Because the other nice thing about it is that now that you have all work of an enterprise coming into ideation, now you can really take a look at how much work do we really have? And then you can start to do some things with it. And the other thing that I like about it is there's not a lot of functionality. I shouldn't say functionality, not a lot of field or what have you on the table. And some of them they've actually taken off, which needed to stay. But once you get everything there, so now I have all ideas there. I can now, now we have ideal category. You can align those to your, you know, business units or some other way. The other nice thing is if you have business relationship managers, because it's kind of like, okay, business says knock, knock, who answers? A lot of times who answers depends on what you want, but then you force the customer to have to decide, is it a project? You know, is it an enhancement? Yeah. They don't know. They don't care. They just want what they want. So don't do that to them. Allow them to come into one place have someone there answer the door, then bring it through the process. And if you think about it, it's not until you get a couple steps in that you really need to decide what it really is. Right. Well, the, the what it becomes is a function of the demand management, right? Yes. So where do, you, where do you make the breakage? Not the breakage, wrong word. Where do you, what's the border between idea and demand? At what point do, does it stop being an idea and it becomes a demand? or something else strategic alignment and the business wants to do it it could be a penny or a billion bucks uh -huh. so you come in strategically align it try to get the goals together and if it's something that they want to do then you queue it up and you can even actually leave it in ideation there's a field if you're an older customer you still have this field it's called a start implement date and then end implement date it's just the fiscal year you okay. can set the fiscal year. That way you can start to do your planning, you know, your three to five year planning and just leave the pieces there. And so then when it's time to do annual planning or if you do continuous planning, you know, whatever you want to do, 
at the point that they say, okay, I really do want to do this, and I want to do this in this fiscal year, then you accept the idea, bring it into demand, and then that's the breaking point. Do you, um, thank you for the answer, by the way, uh, on to demand, how should a customer um, deploy demand? Like, they have a bunch of groups interested in it. Do you see people deploying, like, one big central demand authority, or do groups kind of have their own demand piles and they process demands on their own? So one of the things that we guide them to do is when we come into demand is then start to get the portfolios and the programs together because then that'll also then tie back to the funding. Right. And so then depending on if it's an enterprise, you know, if they're enterprise wide or if there's still, you know, everything is IT and they do business projects, then it kind of depends on the portfolio. So folks, you can see why I'm always knocking on at his door because I do a lot of ITBM work and she's lived it. You know, I've, I've learned it, but she's lived it and uh, that experience has really mattered. Um, and what is, what is your favorite part of the SPM suite? I have to tell you, ideation. Oh yeah? It is, it <laughs> is just, oh wait, actually I have two. Okay. I really do. Ideation and APM, but the business architecture part of APM, which actually goes back to ideation. Because one of the things that happens is, okay, so an idea comes in. First thing you ask yourself is, is it a duplicate, mm-hmm. right? If it is, you know, say what duplicate it is and it's gone. The next thing you ask yourself, do I have the business capability already with my core systems? Thus, like, am I using, like on the healthcare side, am I using Epic, you know, Lawson, yeah. um, ServiceNow, blah, 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 blah. And if it is, then, you know, there's another filter. And if not, then what, you know, goals and strategies does it align to? Get all that information in. And then decide, you know, the business governance group is this something you would like to continue to, you know, vet out? And so just in ideation, if you look at the tap that ideation has to the rest of SPM, all of those pieces are there. It, it kind of taps, it starts to, you can start the business case piece in ideation. So, so that when it goes over to demand, you can actually start that process over there. But that is the most I'm sitting here grinning like (laughs) (laughs) that is the yumminess of it because if you get that right everything else works smooth because when you get into demand you start to do your funding and a lot of people don't use you know the resource plans and the cost plans to actually get the money for their project they come in as like oh i got a million dollars for a project it's like well how do you know you haven't taken it over to demand to decide what resource groups do I need? Do I need any assets? Am I going to do training? Is somebody going to travel? Mm-hmm. So yes, it allows you to, and your fields are now where it says, what is it? Plan costs, one of the fields now, where you can put in what you've got, what they gave you. And then as you build out the resource plans, which then you know create the cost plans, you can get, okay, this is the real cost so that you can go back to governance for your real money before your project starts instead right. of getting into your project and finding out you ran out of money. That's like the distinction between planned costs, budgeted costs, and actual costs, yes. right? Yes, yeah, thank would, you. It's the budgeted costs. Yeah, too. that one threw me for a loop, right? Because it's like, well, I plan to spend this much. So what? They're only going to give you, right? Yeah. Or yeah. maybe you're blessed with the organization that says you're planning on spending one and a half million, but we know how these things grow, so we're going to set aside three million. 
Encourage you not to use it. <laughs> yeah. But we'll be smart about this. I gotta tell you, my favorite thing is way lower on the totem pole. I love Rydax. I just love the idea that, um, you know, we're, we're, if we're planning this multi-million dollar project that's gonna span a year or two, that there's this idea that stuff might go wrong <laughs> in that journey, or stuff might be, you know, it's just, I, I call it like the the real life work for PMs. Yes. The, the non-WBS tracking of a project manager's life. And I love Absolutely. how they just integrate with status reports and I love how they all have cost estimates and I think there's so much opportunity for workflows in there or flow designer stuff that it's just completely untapped. And I love like cool. PMs tend to be really happy when I introduce them to it. Oh, um, absolutely. All right. So you've been at this for a while. You have been basically at the bleeding edge of this tech and um, and kind of leading the way in the industry. But what can you tell us about a time where you thought for sure you're not going to make it this time? Right, your back's against the wall, and there's nobody there to help you. Uh, absolutely, uh, the first year because <laughs> I came out and you know I'm all you know quit my job, still got to pay the mortgage, got the first customer, and and then the second, and they started coming in, and then one of the things that I learned the hard way, vendors don't pay their bills on time, mm -hmm. but payroll still needs to happen. I forgot my choir robe, but I'd be over here just. Yes. <laughs> and and so that that was hard. And then we we ended up with our first customer, where we were in requirements gathering forever. That was at pivot point, and that was really the turning point of okay, if you're going to do this, you are not going to do the traditional consulting where we sit around forever and just mm -hmm. talk about your pain. And and I had to pivot. We've done everything from insurance, brewing. Yes, you can use ServiceNow to brew beer. Um, all kinds of industries. We needed to pivot. I chose healthcare because my mother had Lou Gehrig's disease, and I took care of her for 11 years. And I have seen everything from the insurance. When I went back to work, I had to go back, and I became a project manager at a health plan. And she was in the hospital. So I've done health plans, medical devices, been in the hospital. It's like, okay, you understand the business of healthcare. Make that pivot. And so it was the hardest time. And then it was trying to do the pivot because we were, since we were a smaller practice, we were commercial. We weren't enterprise. And then I got the opportunity to do our first hospital. And it changed everything. And even our approach, you know, we were doing this walk, run, fly bit. And what the account exec taught me, he says, you must sell full cars. You don't want to get in the car and go, where's the steering wheel? Oh, that's next phase. Mm. So even though you don't implement all the details of SPM, you give enough. We call it the happy path. And everyone, if you haven't seen the, the happy path, um, we can get that out to you because it, it shows at a high level how work comes in, how it's assessed, how it's executed on, and how it's deployed. So if you follow the happy path, like initially in demand, unless you have to do assessments in demand, leave that alone until next phase. So Preach. get into production. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. My least favorite part of demand. Necessary, but least favorite. Yes. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. I, I remember you teaching me about happy path. Do you have like a web resource we could put in the description maybe or... 
I can I can put something together. Yes. Okay. Or yeah. we can have you on CJ and the Duke, and we can just have a whole discussion on Happy Path right there. Do you know what? We really should have a whole discussion on Happy Path we because should. that that diagram actually started with me at Care Fusion, mm -hmm. and it had refined itself, and it's it actually just went under kind of another refinement. I like simple. You have to get into production, and you have to use the tool. That's the other thing about SPM. You cannot spend. I see these two years deployment of SPM. I'm like, what are you thinking? It's like you're going to have two releases a year and you're trying to deploy like all these applications. We had a customer, we did 22 applications in 16 weeks. You have to get into production so you can use it. Then give me no your doubt. feedback. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I feel it's just a different, I think IT has, has somehow there's a collective consciousness there and an awareness of how development works. But when you get into the PMO, sometimes it's just like, you know, they'll sit, for, they'll talk for as long as you're willing to sit on the stuff that will make this work better for them. And they'll imagine all the scenarios. And then you can just, you know, you can be weeks later, months later, still listening. Um, so you have to be a little bit prescriptive, right? Very prescriptive. So what we ended up doing is building repeatable solutions so there's like four solutions we have now. Mm -hmm. And that's what we demo. That's where we start. And, you know, we're flexible in some of the pieces where you can come outside the box a little bit, but really not so much because we've been, like, been there, done that. Mm -hmm. We know that it is not a successful outcome if we allow you to come outside the guardrails too far. And you won't be happy. And we definitely won't be happy. Nobody will be happy. Yeah. Okay, so we've we've heard your trench war story. Now tell us what you're most proud of in your time at ServiceNow, in your time with ServiceNow. I'm most I'm most proud of the platform and finally getting those repeatable solutions. They're so tight, we could actually put hours on them and put them up in the store. Yeah. Wow. Fully documented. That took a lot but it had to be done. It absolutely had to be done because everybody has their opinion on how things should work. And yes, it's like, okay, here's life according to Etta or life mm -hmm. according to Genus, but it, it's still, it, it's based on experience. It's based on being in the mud. It's based on talking to customers. Um, and we, we, we got it right. Yeah, we, we got it right. We're just, you know, a little smaller. Nobody knew about us. That's the thing. There's so many new people at ServiceNow. I was at Knowledge, and I introduced myself to someone who is um, well-known in SPM, and he didn't know who I was. I thought, oops, I'm sorry. Like, wow. <laughs> why are you sorry? This is no, why I'm making this. No, I mean, because you don't want to say, oh, let me reintroduce myself. Oh, no, yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> well, I'm going to do that for you with this video, right? This is why... I, you know, I've, I've kept this spot in the Pantheon open for you because people need to know that, you know, there was a time there was two companies that were basically doing the whole ITBM thing in service. Now, one of them, I won't name their names because I don't want a lawsuit. Thank goodness they don't exist anymore. Right. And then there was Etta and those were the only people doing like the really hard work. So I want people to know. Uh, if you could change anything about the ServiceNow ecosystem or the product, what would it be? Uh, we need to get CapEx and OpEx at the task level in the platform. 
I'm like, testify! <laughs> yes. Okay. So I've been building it since Care Fusion. Well, not me personally, but you guys know what I mean. And this, the thing that's interesting is it, it really is a straightforward um, enhancement because, you know, once you put the expense type on the task table, all work can be either CapEx, OpEx. So yes. put expense type on the task table, default it to OpEx because you have to prove CapEx, right? Yep. And then let it roll. When you and then you just have to tap some of the business rules. A lot of them let the business rules run, do an after, then come back and place in what you need to. So you're kind of in there so that you don't blow up everything because you can blow it up. Yeah. But I do believe there is someone at ServiceNow that I've known for a while. She's a CPA. And I really believe that that is going to change, hopefully in the near future. But until it does, you know, you got to put it in. No kidding. Like I have, it's the first, once I really got financials, right, from a PMO perspective, then it was like, my God, how can they possibly leave this out of the platform? And please, product management service now, if you're listening to this, please hear us out, right? You're the platform for work. What kind of work? All work. Work. Right. Who can afford us? Only big corporations. It's like the idea that you're executing work at all. If you can prove it's CapEx, like if you want to get companies to save big money, giraffe money, right? The amount of money it takes to adequately ask, what is it going to take for me to have a giraffe as a pet? Okay. If you want cut your customer base to save that kind of money, you have to be able to at least have the option on every task type to be able to say this is capitalizable work. Yes. You know, otherwise it's just you're essentially like the help desk tool, right? You're 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 a more advanced help desk tool. But you can you have the capability to become a finance tool. And then the dump truck more dump truck loads of money. I mean, they got to what was the goal? They got to double their revenue in the next how many yeah. years? So <laughs> I do believe that that functionality will be baseline soon. Yeah, I hope so. I really see. I so. just I put that into the universe. That is my favorite answer for how would you change the product on all my Titans of Service Now episodes yet. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely, <laughs> it is. It is it. And. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a few minutes left. Uh, why don't you give some advice for people who might be starting new in the space? So, and I've seen a lot of this. So we have all these camps, you know, we'll teach you service now, all the rest of it. And they get into the tool and they're overwhelmed because of how massive it is. Okay. Yes, I would suggest coming across the tool so that you can find your favorite spot, but then find your favorite spot. And I notice I don't say niche because that's kind of like, eh. My favorite spot was always, you know, I've always had that project management background. I, it's my contribution and on the healthcare side, my contribution to the universe that you need to manage work. So think about this. When COVID hit and you were a hospital system, isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to go into your portfolio and say, I need to free up, you know, $10 million. Where am I going to get this from? And to go into service now, and in less than an hour, you find your 10 million and you've reallocated it off to another portfolio. So, yes, discover the platform in the different areas, but then find what feels good to you and learn the business side. 
stop going in. It's like, oh, I'm going to be service now. And I see these, oh, I just got a job, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, so when you go, learn the business. There's nothing like being a developer and you have absolutely no idea what the business function is. So what are you coding? You're coding to requirements of somebody in pain, but you don't know that they're in pain because you don't understand the business. That, that is serious wisdom. All right, folks, this has been my mentor, my savior when I was doing ITBM work, Etta Wilson. Thank you so much for being on the show, Etta. Thank you. I appreciate the time. This was fun. If you're a ServiceNow expert looking for better opportunities, but maybe your resume or LinkedIn profile isn't doing you justice, reach out to me via LinkedIn or the email pictured here as I offer both career coaching and recruitment services. And if you're a ServiceNow customer or partner, you heard that right. Robert Fedoric now does ServiceNow recruiting. With a 1,500 subscriber YouTube channel and mailing list and thousands of LinkedIn followers, let's make sure your open positions get first go at the prodigious pool of ServiceNow resources. Reach out via the emailed picture here.